Well, man, this morning is a really pinnacle moment in the life of our church. And it's, a, it's an exciting moment in the life of our church. And I hope when you came into our walls, you could feel the buzz, you could feel the excitement. I hope you came anticipating that God will use us to propel us into our future. And I just want to welcome our campuses, those of you who are at Webster, Greece, Henrietta, Arondacoit, and those of you who are watching online. And if you're a guest here this morning, not every Sunday is like this one. Um, it's a little bit of a different Sunday, but what I love about today is you're going to get to see how serious our church is about reaching and loving and caring people in Jesus' name. And it's an exciting moment in the life of our church, and we've been unfolding this vision that really we believe is going to push us to the future of our church. We, we, we called it gaining ground, and all throughout this series, we've been talking about grounds. Week one, we talked about physical ground, the actual property at 780 Salt Road in Webster to see our Webster campus go from portability to permanency, to become a permanent fixture in the Webster community, a beacon of hope. The next week, we talked about missional ground. That really, yes, we're, we're going after a building, but this really doesn't have, a whole, have to do a whole lot with property or facilities or structures. At the end of the day, it's all about people. God's church is built on people, and we want God to use this tool called a building to reach and to love people. We talked about the 755,000 people in our community, in our area, the greater Rochester area, that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that is our why. That's what we're going after and I pray that every morning and every evening that you've been driven to your knees praying for those people. I hope God has put that holy annoyance in your life and it continues to annoy you. <laughs> but then week three, we talked about the ground that will actually get us where we need to go. Sacrificial ground. And man, building into today, I, I pray that you did what I talked about last week, that first you, over the course of this last week, you just looked back at your life and, and you saw those breadcrumbs. You saw the, the trace of God's faithfulness in your life over the history of your life, where you have seen moments where God answered your prayers, where God came through and you didn't think he was going to. And you just saw the evidence of God's faithfulness in your life. And it built you into this place, building into this week where you turned your ears and you turned your heart and your body and your soul to just seek God. God, what does sacrifice look like for me and what does it look like for you? You prayed that prayer and you just listened for God to answer. You listened for his prompt in your life and today we get an opportunity to be obedient to it, to, to, to hear what God has said and to walk in faithfulness. And you know, this morning, I just wanna build off of one truth. One truth that probably every single one of us knows. A truth that we've heard before, but a truth I think we need to be constantly reminded of. It's just simply three words. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen, church? Amen. He always has been and he always will be faithful. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about God's faithfulness. In fact, Psalms chapter 119 verse 90, it says this, your faithfulness continues through all generations. Aren't you glad for that, that God's faithfulness will be there for your kids and your kids' kids? That his faithfulness goes throughout all generations. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Lamentations chapter 3, 23, 22 through 23, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the reality is, is if we look back in the history of our life, the evidence is clear. God has been faithful. God is faithful and he always will be. And if you want to sum up God's faithfulness in just one word, all you have to say is Jesus. Because Jesus embarks, he encompasses God's faithfulness. That God loved us, he was faithful in his promises to bring his one and only son for us. And that's enough. That's all we need is Jesus. But what's interesting is we, we gather together. I mean, we're over four campuses watching online. I mean, it's a, a group of people called Northridge Church. And what's, what's amazing is if we look at our church, we see God's faithfulness. Over 130 years of God doing ministry through Northridge Church. I mean, that in itself is amazing. Some of you have been here for a good chunk of that journey. Some of us have been just here for a short time. But when we look back at our church decade after decade, the truth remains God has been faithful to our church. In fact, I just want to show you a small glimpse of how faithful he's been. Check this out.
said to them, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Man, you look at that, that video and you just got to be in awe of God. You just got to say, wow, God is amazing. He's so faithful. And over the course of our church, he has been faithful. And when we look at God's faithfulness, here's the reason why we look at God's faithfulness is because when we see God faithful, it should lead us as Christ followers, believing and trusting in God's faithfulness, it should lead us to a simple word called faith. Because God is faithful, therefore I can live by faith. And our church has been built on faith. Every moment we've looked at God's faithfulness and then we've taken a step of faith and God has provided yet and yet again. And we've seen God's faithfulness and it leads us to faith. But faith can be a scary word. It can be. Like faith is just scary in itself because we don't know. Faith is, is trusting. And everything in our culture today tells us to really do the opposite of faith. Everything in our culture says, hey, play it safe. Stay in your safety net, stay in your comfort zone, like don't get too crazy. In fact, let me, let me just kind of, let's have a little fun here this morning. Some of the sayings that we say probably on a fairly regular basis that you probably will know. In fact, I, I need you to finish the saying for me. I'm going I'm to I'm share a couple sayings with you and you're going to have to finish it. Are you guys ready? And Arondico and Webster Greece, you guys ready? Okay, okay, some of us are ready. Here we go. All right, let's start, let's start slow. Finish this saying. You can't have your cake I uh, need it. All right. A plus. Here we go. It's going to get a little harder. If it seems too good to be true. Okay. I heard a couple different answers there. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you a pass. If it, if it can go wrong, it will. it will go wrong. Everything that goes up must come down. Keep both feet on the ground. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched or wolves get them. I added that. <laughs> Everything in these statements, like don't keep your, but keep both feet on the ground. Why? Because it's safe there. Don't count your chickens. If, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. So therefore, just, hey, be careful. Don't take too much risk. Don't sacrifice too much because it's so much easier. Life is honestly so much easier if we just stay in our bubble, if we just stay comfortable. And that's what our culture tells us to. But here's the problem. If you call yourself a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, he's the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. The problem with living that way is Jesus didn't call us to comfort or safety. Jesus called us to faith. Jesus didn't call us to, to be comfortable in our lives. He didn't call us to, to live in a safe environment. He says, hey, I'm calling you to live in faith. In fact, this is what the Bible says in Corinthians. I love this phrase. It says, for we, that's Christians, for we live by faith not by sight. And I love the comparison there. Because if we're real, most of us, if not all of us, like to live by sight. Because sight is measurable. Sight is tangible. That's why believing in God is so hard because I have to believe. I, I, it takes faith to believe in God because I don't see him. And we like to, 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 to live by sight, what we can see and what we can know and what we can measure. And what's so hard about living by faith is we can't measure it. We can't see it. We have to trust. Faith requires you to put your trust in something else other than yourself. It removes control. And we don't like that. 
When we lose control, we get scared, we get nervous. And God, Jesus, has called us to step in faith, to trust in him. And Abraham is a great example of this. And this is what Romans says about Abraham. It says this. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had promised to do what, that God had the power to do what he had promised. And I love that a couple words in here. It says, yeah, he did not waver. He wasn't shaken. He wasn't scared by faith. Why? Because he knew God was faithful. He knew whatever God promised would take place. And the reason why today we can live in faith we can take steps of faith. It's because we have no doubt that God is faithful, and we know if he's promised us something, he will come through with it. God promises us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So in those scary moments where you take that step of faith, you can't measure it, it's uncertain, guess what? The good news is, is God is walking right alongside you. What do you have to be afraid of? What do you have to fear or worry about? Because God has called us to, to live by faith and not by sight. And in our church this morning is one of those moments. It's one of those moments where we, as a collective body and then as individuals, we have to choose which way we're going to live. Because this morning we're going to be asked to take a leap of faith, to sacrifice, maybe when we don't know all the answers, to, to sacrifice not knowing all, all, having a little bit of uncertainty, doubt, and having to bank and having to lean not on our own understanding, but God's. To believe, not just to say God is faithful, but to actually believe he is. To not just say God provides, but actually to bank on him providing for you. See, it's a whole other level when you have to live it out and you have to be obedient to it. This is one of those moments in the life of our church where we have to live by faith and not by sight. But when it comes to faith, it, it's so easy to come up with excuses. It, it's so easy to, to, to come up with excuses. And I think one of our favorite excuses is two words, but God. We, we use this as an excuse. We, we, we say, but God, but God, I, I, don't, I don't have enough. But, but God, I'm, I'm not strong enough. But God, Rochester's too far gone. But, but God, we're just one church. How much damage can we really do? And then we say these excuses and we, we look at our, our limitations and we say, but God, I'm not rich. But God, I'm not strong. But God, Rochester's too lost of a city. But God, we're just one church. And in that statement, we think there's a lot of humility. <laughs> we disguise it as humility, believing it's, it's us being humble. But at the end of the day, really what's in there is a whole lot of pride. Because here's what we believe, is we believe our limitations are greater than God's supernatural ability. We say, my weakness is way too big for God to cover. We say, my lack of funds or my lack of resources is way too big for God to provide for me. And we actually believe that our limitations are, are way bigger and way stronger and mighty than God's supernatural ability. And we actually believe more in our limits than we do in the faithfulness of God. And we have to understand something about faith. If we're going to live by faith and not by sight, faith is ultimately about believing God even when it feels foolish. 
Faith is saying, you know what, I trust and I bank on the promises and the faithfulness of God. And I don't care if I feel foolish. I don't care if people say I'm foolish. I don't trust in man. I don't trust in my own opinions, my own emotions. I trust in God and I believe in God. In fact, this is what Hebrews chapter 11, it is the faith chapter. It says this, now faith is the confidence, it's the belief in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And what's interesting about Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's kind of called the hall of faith where we get to see people all throughout scripture living by faith. And if you read your Bible cover to cover, it's full of stories of, of average human beings who just took crazy steps of faith and looked foolish for it. Let me give you a couple examples. Noah. Noah's found in the Old Testament. Noah was called by God to build a boat for a flood when it hadn't even rained yet. Do you know how foolish he looked? Oh, look, I got a big boat, but it hasn't rained on earth quite yet. Wow, Noah, that makes sense. You think of Moses. Moses was leading the nation of Israel to freedom. They were, they were slaves. They were set free by, by God through Moses, and they're staring at this sea, and the nation of Egypt is coming after them. And, and Moses, they have to cross this sea, and Moses is staring at it with a stick in his hand. Good luck with that, Moses. Let me know how far that gets you. You think of Sarah in the Bible. Sarah's 90 years old, waiting to be pregnant. I'm not sure how biology works, Sarah, but that probably isn't going to happen. Nor do you want it to happen. <laughs> Think of Israel, the nation of Israel, marching around Jericho in silence, thinking that the walls are going to come crashing down. You think of David. A teenage boy with a sling in his hand, staring face to face with a warrior, undefeated giant. You think of Mary, a pregnant virgin. Can you imagine how foolish she must have felt? What people must have said about her? You think of the wise men, the magi, following some random star in the sky to find the quote-unquote savior of the world. If they were in our culture today, we'd put them in the loony bin. And then Jesus, submitting to his father's example, the supposed son of God hanging on a cross, dying. I mean, if you're the son of God, you're all-powerful, almighty, why don't you just save yourself, bro? And the common thread through all of these persons, these people in scripture, is that they had faith that was strong enough that they didn't care if they looked foolish. They didn't care if the world got it. They didn't care what people said about them. They were trusting and banking that God would be faithful for what he promised them to be. And I think today we just need a new version of but God. You see, most of us, we say, God, but God, I don't have enough. But, but God, Rochester's too far gone. But, but God... And I think we need to flip the script and we need a new version of but, but God and we need to start saying things that, you know what, I'm not capable. I don't have enough, but God does. You know what, Rochester is too far gone, but God sent his one and only son for them. I can't build this church, but let me tell you who can, God can. We need a new version of but God where we bank on God's promises and his faithfulness, not our own insecurities and not our own lack of understanding. This is what the Bible says. Chapter 19 of Matthew, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, 
this is impossible. Let me tell you something about this morning. You know, we can come together and we can sacrifice and we can raise the right amount of funds. But without God, it won't change anybody's hearts. We want to reach the 755,000. Well, I guess the bad news is you and I are not capable of doing that. We can't change people's hearts, but let me tell you who can, but God. God has the power to do that. And this is what the verse says. It says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I know a lot of Christians who know this verse, but I'm not sure they believe it. It's easy to recite a verse. It's a whole nother level to say, you know what? I'm bought into it. I'm all into it. And you know what? I believe through God's presence and through God's power that anything can happen, that God can turn the city upside down. Revival can take place because with God, we can do it. But do we believe that? I mean, do we truly believe with God all things are possible? And here's how we get there. Is at the, at the end of the day, what this moment is about is we want to be a church. And when I say church, I mean a group of people surrounding our city at four different locations, all over homes and in cars, all over the place, driving around. We want to be a group of people. We want to be a church that just simply believes God. We want to be a, a group of people that says, you know what, I just believe and I'm banking and I'm trusting on God. And when I trust in him, I'll see the miracles of him. When I trust in him, I'll see the faithfulness of God. You see, this moment is really all about that. It's just, do I believe God? Do I believe in his promises? And I, do I believe he will be faithful in this moment? You think about those characters that look foolish, right? Noah. Noah's building an ark for a flood that probably isn't coming. Sarah's waiting to be pregnant at 90 years or old. David is standing before a giant, hoping God comes through. They just stepped out in faith. The wise men are searching for the savior of the world, following a star in the sky. Mary is, is a, a pregnant virgin, and they're just, they just, all they did was take this step of faith. God, I trust you. This feels crazy, and this feels weird, but I'm banking on you. And let me tell you what happened, Noah. He got in that boat, and guess what? It saved his family's lives when the rains came. Let me tell you about Moses. When he put that staff in the water, the seas separated, and the nation walked through on dry ground. Let me tell you about Israel. When they marched around that city, and on the seventh day they shouted, those walls came crashing down. Let me tell you about Sarah. She was pregnant at 90 years old, and she gave birth to a son who impacted generation after generation. Let me tell you about David. He swung that stone and it hit that giant in the forehead and down went that giant. Let me tell you about the wise men. I mean, think about this for a second. Wise men chasing a star. But when they finally got there, can you imagine the moment where they got to hold the savior of the world in their hands? because they walked by faith and not by sight, because they didn't listen to the voices who told them they're crazy or stupid or, or, or wild. They just walked by faith and they got to see Jesus in human flesh. You think of Mary. She gave birth to Emmanuel, God with us. She got to bring forth the Savior, our Savior to the world for his mission and what he accomplished. And you think of Jesus submitting to his father's plan for his life. 
I mean, how crazy is it that your dad has ordained for your life to, to be sacrificed? I mean, you wanna talk about trust? God, Jesus had to trust his father and he did as he was on that cross. The supposed son of God dying, looking foolish, being mocked and spit upon. And there he died. But church, guess what? Next week is. Because next week we're gonna come and we're gonna celebrate that Jesus did not stay dead, but three days later he rose again. And because of his resurrection, church, we can stand and we can shout and we can say, God is faithful because he promised he would and he did. And today, as we bring our sacrifice, ultimately what we are doing is we're making a statement in faith. We're making a statement that we believe God, that we trust in God and we believe that he will use our little to impact our city, our children, our community, our friends, our families, our coworkers, and ultimately the 755 lives that are searching for hope, they just don't know where to find it. We're believing God will come through. So you'll notice at all of our locations, volunteers, a volunteer is gonna come and they're gonna come front and center and they're gonna bring what I would call a larger butter dish. <laughs> See, in a much smaller butter dish that I showed you last week, I learned as a six-year-old boy what sacrifice and what generosity really looked like. And over the course of 32 years, I have seen God's hand of faithfulness on my life. I have seen him fulfill his promises over and over and over again. And I pray today as you come and you bring your commitments and you put them into this butter dish that it would be a representation of God's faithfulness. You'll also notice at the table is just this sign to be a reminder of our why that this isn't about a structure, this is ultimately about people's lives, their eternities, and we are passionate about that at Northridge Church. So I'm gonna give you some details. As you walked in the door, every single one of you was given a commitment card just like this. I'd ask you to pull it out right now. Pull out your commitment card. If you didn't get one, you can just simply raise your hand in the air and a volunteer will come and bring you one. If you're watching online, all you have to do is exit full screen, click two-year commitment, or follow the link that is provided. And I wanna walk you through some of the details of this card. It's simple, you just write your name, your address, your city, your state, your phone number, your email, and then you sign it. And then on the back, over the course of two years, over and above what you give regularly, you're just gonna write down your commitment. What sacrifice looks like for you. And I'm gonna make a big ask, I am. I'm not concerned about numbers. I want you to understand that I don't care what the number is, but I would ask you if you call Northridge Church home, whether that's at one of our campuses or you're watching online, if you call this place home and it's impacted your life, your family's life, I would ask you to make a commitment. And I don't care if it's a single dollar, just be a part of the journey because in two years or five years down the road, when we see God faithful yet again in the life of our church, you're gonna wanna say, I played a part in that. It's not about equal gifts, it's about equal sacrifice. It's about us coming together and saying, hey, I'm in. And I wanna see God do what only God can do. And so I would challenge you, if 
you're watching online or you're here at our campuses, if you call this place home, make a commitment. Be a part of the journey. And we're gonna bring our commitments and we're gonna put them in this butter dish. You know, right now I wanna ask my wife to come up on stage. And as she comes up on stage, <laughs> I want you to know something. I want you to know that my wife and I, we love this church. And the reason why we love this church is because we believe in the people of this church. What makes this place so great and so amazing has nothing to do with the buildings. It has everything to do with the people who fill these buildings. And I want you to know that my wife and I, we're all in. And we believe God's gonna use our sacrifice and your sacrifice collectively to do something amazing in the life of our church. And so here's what I'm asking you to do in this moment. I'm gonna give you a minute to fill your card out and just to pray over it. Maybe you have a specific name that you wanna pray. Maybe you just have a generic prayer. God, use this in ways that only you can. But we're gonna give you a minute just to take that card as a family, as an individual, and to pray over that. God, use this in ways only you can. So you take that moment right now. You fill that card out and you pray over it. 